With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Cleverly for sharing up! The Bermatov And the foul all the way! Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. As you should know by now, you can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this edition of The Last Word on Spurs, we'll be talking about the season ticket prices that have been recently announced by the club for the new stadium. Joining me tonight, I've got Jason McGovern, Lee McQueen, Ian Gunn and Vasconi. And a very special guest to join us in this first half an hour. I've got the wonderful Katrina Law from the Tottenham Hotspur Trust with us. Katrina, how are you? I'm all right, Ricky. What a build-up. Thank you very uh, much. <laughs> fully <laughs> deserved, Kat. Fully deserved. Listen, Kat, I'm sure people have listened to you oh, over the last week or so um, in terms of the stadium ticket prices, the new stadium that being. Now we've had a couple of weeks to reflect upon them, Kat. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us your thoughts in this last couple of weeks, anything changing from your end is still very much the same in how no, you feel? No, exactly the same as we were on that first day, to be honest with you, Ricky. Mm. Um, as you'll know, we had like a five minutes heads up 
as to what the pricing was going to be, which was a very quick phone call, which did the nice PR number of the headline prices, so, you know, starting from 795, et cetera, et cetera, and emitting the actual volume at each price, price band and all the rest of it. So we held a members meeting that evening on that, that Monday, so a fortnight ago, uh, which was really well attended. And our members tend to be, you know, quite measured, quite reasonable, quite pragmatic. And to a man, no woman, uh, that none of them were happy with the, with the pricing that had been announced. So that kind of gave us our position straight away, that and looking at, you know, response on email and response on social media. And if anything, our position's more entrenched. It hasn't moved at all. So no. we think, you know... <laughs> I think it's 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 a misconception that to think that fans expected the prices to go down or to stay the same. Everybody was expecting them to rise. Yeah. And that was fairly obvious. But I think it's the level of the risers that's been pretty unpalatable to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think the your supporters trust, I mean they outlined their statement originally when they said with the pricing for the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the club had a great opportunity to cement the growing bond between the fans and the club and to secure the future generations of support. And, you know, based on the trust's own words, I mean, for me, like I say, it, it was a, it's been an opportunity missed here, Kat, hasn't it, in one way? Because for me, I'll be honest with you, I feel disappointed rather than surprised. That That's how I yeah. see it. I mean, I know you obviously yeah. you, you made your stance on it as well and you guys have been very, very clear and vocal in how you feel. Um, yeah. And you think the club also had a chance, Kat, you know, to look back at you know other clubs, the way you know they've done their pricing structure. You know, you have to look at Arsenal. Um, obviously, we've seen West Ham in terms of building their stadium, the way they've gone about it. I mean, bearing in mind the frequent contact you had with the club, how disappointed was you? You mentioned there you only kind of got like a five-minute heads up <laughs> before you, yeah. know, you heard of the prices. What was that like for you? You must have been quite surprised by that. I felt it displayed a bit of a lack of, you know, courtesy, to be honest, really. Um, we've worked really hard over the past, I'd say, 18 months minimum uh, discussing pricing in the new stadium. So all the time they were announcing their premium offering and, you know, we, we were trying to hammer home the the. the principle of stretch pricing which is price your premium high so you've got the flexibility to still hit your you know your gate revenue target but lower the the, the lower end to make them more accessible uh you know we've we've really banged the drum on making it accessible for all the reasons that are fairly obvious to maintain the you know the support of those people who've been going to Tottenham for years and years out um and so to not have a chance to feed into that pricing and to only be given five minutes notice before it went live, which gave us no time to digest when obviously we're going to be called upon to make comments and fans are going to be coming to us was really less than ideal. So, yes, we were very disappointed with that. Yeah, I mean, and also a good point to raise is that, listen, whilst we acknowledge, and I think Kat, you will as well acknowledge that the fact that, you know, season ticket prices at the old Warhurt Lane were frozen for three seasons. And, you know, in terms of the new, the new stadium, I think no one was going to question that the tickets were going to go up. There was no doubt about that in terms of the prices. It's, it's just a level cap they have, haven't they, in terms of that? Yeah, of course. And, I mean, we, we lobbied really hard for the season ticket price freezers over the three years previously. And, yeah, as much as I'd like to take all the credit for that, let's not forget that that was part of a, you know, a, a, a national mood. I don't think you'll find many clubs that put their prices up over that period. We almost felt in the supporters trust movement and the, you know, the, the fan movement that mm. the a tipping point had been reached and that there was now a recognition that fans had 
you know, been paying too much for too long and they couldn't keep increasing their prices. I mean, at Tottenham, I think season ticket prices went up between 1989 and 2011 by 571%, mm. which is just astronomical. Yep. So if you look at it on a national level across that entire landscape, there weren't really many ticket prices increases uh, in the top flight. Um, the, the Premier League £30 away price cap was kind of, you know, a sign of those times. The fact that the Liverpool board reversed on their £70 tickets was kind of a sign of those times. So for Tottenham now to have seemingly taken the opportunity when we move into a new ground to go away from that and kind of buck that trend and, you know, bend that curve is really, really disappointing. Yeah, I think that's an absolute fair point. I mean, at present, as we understand it, based on the season ticket prices that we've been provided with, there are only nine areas within the new stadium priced at below that 950 mark a season ticket. Mm. Are we aware yet from the club the amount of seats in that lower price band or not? So we've asked them four times now for a full breakdown of the number of seats in each price bracket. Right. And they haven't come back to us. But what they did was they posted a statement in response to a statement that we posted the other Sunday. And they did throw out some, again, headline figures where they said 22,000 seats were available at 1125 and under. Now, I'm I'm not really sure that's much to brag about, but there you go. Uh, They then go on to say 27,500 seats are priced at 1125 or less, of which 23,000 are priced at 995 or less. 2,500 in the family area, which I don't think is anywhere near enough. And that's the only figures we've got out of them so far. So just right. picking little nuggets out of what they've put through their comms. They haven't given us a full breakdown at all. Yeah. Clarsha, Kat, what have you made of the phasing process so far? Because at the moment, I mean, naturally we're seeing the phasing process beginning is more towards, as we would expect, you know, the, the loyal, I say the loyal is the wrong word, but the mm. fans that have been going for the most time. I mean, it's natural, Kat, we're going to see these, these this phasing process plan at the moment the fans are going to buy mm. these tickets fairly quickly because these are fans that have been going for you know god knows yeah how many and i years. think it's because they've got the wider choice as well to be mm. honest yeah i mean um they did consult with us on the phasing process so let's you know just make that absolutely clear they did talk to us about their migration process and what they said to us that they wanted to do it first of all by longevity of holding season ticket so how long you'd had a season ticket that would be the first cut and then the second cut if they needed to divide further will be by loyalty points and then obviously the new season ticket holders who were year one at Wembley will be by their waiting list position now that all looks fine on paper so as a broad stroke principle we have no issues with that what actually then happened was that their database only went back 11 years Mm. so everybody in phases one two and three had had their season tickets for at least 11 years and they then divided those up by points and that meant that phase four which were the remaining of the White Hart Lane season ticket holders, had everybody who'd held a season ticket from two years to ten, which was slightly crazy. And then obviously you end up with a load of children in the lower phases because they were the ones who were on the waiting list when mum and dad, who were the Spurs fans, had put them on there when they were born. Yeah. Uh, and their phases are miles apart from their parents, which is, which is an issue. So I think there was never a perfect way to actually migrate people over. And in defence of the club, they did put an awful lot of thought into that. So in terms of the phasing process, I understand why people will be disappointed uh, if they're not in the higher phases or if they've got to wait for family members who are in the lower phases. We recommended a dedicated like parents and kids window after phase four. We thought that might be one way to try and tackle that issue, but they didn't go for that. So that's kind of, it is what it is. But if, so in terms of the actual process, it, <laughs> 
it could have been better, but you're never going to please everyone. You've got 40,000 people that you've got to try and move over and everybody thinks they should be above everybody else. So that's kind of a difficult one there. In terms of take-up and sales so far, yep. phase one and phase two, as far as I know, went really smoothly. Mm. But you're right there. Those are the people that are at the highest level of engagement. With so we're not club. expecting oh, we're not, we're not expecting any of these to have a massive problem because, not in a horrible way, these well, are fans that are going every single week. They, they are. So their season ticket is a massively important part of their life. Yep. But also they get a free sweep of all the seats in the stadium that aren't premium. Mm. So they can afford yeah. to find a price point that, that is palatable to them That's at right, that yeah. stage. Yeah. But the problem as you go down the phases mm. is that it, one would assume, logically, that the cheaper seats will be taken up and the more expensive ones will be left. And there's obviously a question mark over how many concessionary seats will still be available as you move down the phases when the kids kick in. So that's also going to be a problem. Do you what see do you that as a, that? I think I'm can... about to say, yeah, do you see that being a problem, do you think, Kat, as we go yeah. in the next couple of months? You do? Well, I do. Absolutely. Mm. I, I can't see how it, it won't be if they've only made half the number of concessionary seats available for yep. season ticket holders that they've got, then that's going to be a problem somewhere down the line. So we're just kind of watching with interest. Phase three opened today. Right. So again, I don't expect any issues with that. The, the real kind of meaty part of this process will be in, you know, five, six, seven and eight, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think like you say, it's a case of watching that space, isn't it? Very much so, and yeah, just seeing yeah. what happens. What have you made, I've got to ask you about, I mean, the South Homestand, which has been promoted, as we think, you know, as being the focus for the atmosphere, for the general vocal support. Um, yet we've seen the club, you know, price tickets around that area of, the, you know, the 1,000 mark. We've got sections mm. of the premium light tickets at 2,200. Yeah. Do we have to be, Cap, very careful that that does not hinder the overall atmosphere of the stadium. Now, we're building up this massive cop that, you know, is being formed as, you know, mm. being iconic. One that's going to be one of the greatest stands, I say, around Europe. Um, and, you know, we're pricing tickets at this kind of amount. I mean, are we going to get, how do I put this, the right type of fan base we want in that stand? <laughs> do you see where I'm kind of coming from? Yeah, I mean, I think we've always got to be really careful about making correlations between how much people can afford to pay yeah, and yeah. how they support the team. Mm, the two don't necessarily go hand in hand. No. What we would have liked to have seen in that South Stand, which let's not forget for you know the months that they've been talking to us about this, all the rhetoric has been that's like the heartbeat of, of, of the actual stadium. That's where all the atmosphere will come from. That's our white wall, you know, our version of Dortmund's yellow wall. That's where they envisage the shelf and the park lane going into. So when they've slapped, you know, 25% increases on park lane ticket pricing, that's not ideal. And that's the lowest price point in the South Stand. They go up pretty rapidly from there onwards as well. And you've got crazy situations where you can be sat next to somebody who's paid £250 more than you, which, you know, I know they've got to draw a line somewhere, but that's mm -hmm. not ideal. I'd be hacked off if I was the person who paid well, of course. £250 yeah, more. Yeah, and then we get on to the 1882 Club, the premium light offering, which... I just find curious that throughout all of our discussions, they never, ever mentioned this proposition. We were fully aware of the premium offerings, so the H Club and the Tunnel Club and all the rest of it. But they never, ever mentioned that they would be inserting, you know, premium light seats in the heart of that home end. That's surprised me. And, and that, again, is nothing to do with people with money. It's to do with the kind of movement around those areas in Stadia. So once you have a corporate area where you've got your bar and you've got food and you've got entertainment going on, yep. and I'd do the same, I'd be 
leaving five minutes before <laughs> half time and making sure I got my quota of wine and cheese and yeah. whatever else and coming back 15 minutes late. But the point is it leaves massive gaps. You've only got to look at Wembley or any large sporting arena to mm. see all the gaps that are left before and after half time. And that is going to do nothing for our atmosphere. So uh, I, I haven't been on the site map since I booked my season ticket. Um, But the feedback I've had is that they've not sold very many of those at all. And it will be interesting to see what the take-up is on the 1882 offering. Okay. Do you get the feeling, Kat, and you mentioned about the cheese room and, you know, the the different entertainment club. Do you think the club, in a way, are trying to structure this new stadium, though, as it now being, rather than just going to watch a football match, it seems to be now being seen as more like an all-day experience. Yeah, like a destination, isn't it? Do you see what I mean? Is that kind of more coming across like that? Yeah, I mean, they sent out a survey a few months ago where they were asking us basically what we needed to get into the stadium as early as possible Mm. and stay as late as possible. But I think they've just lost sight of what most people want from a football stadium. You know, I'm not there for a microbrewery or for a cheese room and I'm not there for brushed steel or quartz or, you know, the aggregate of White Hart Lane and the flooring is lovely. But I just think somebody said on Twitter, the board have built a stadium that they would like to go to without asking us what we would like. So, you know, I would love to have top end stuff in my kitchen. I can't afford it. So I have to downgrade to what I can afford. If the club had turned around and said, do you want brushed steel and quartz and God knows what else? But it's going to cost you this much on your ticket. Or would you rather have a slightly, you know, less luxurious finish and pay less? I think we'd have all said the latter. Yeah. Yeah. So I just worry that they've lost sight of what a football ground is actually there for. Most fans just want to go in, you know, have somewhere where they can get a beer not have to queue an hour at half time, not have to queue for the lose and have a good sight of the pitch. That's it. Uh, we, we, we're quite simple, <laughs> simple people. We don't require all the you know, bells and whistles and songs and dancers. Mm. Um, and I also worry that if in the brochure that they sent out, the very glossy brochure, uh, which explains the, uh, the offering, the how to choose your seat brochure that the season ticket holders were sent out a couple of weeks ago. There's a little picture on there by the side of one of the bars where the beer is six pounds a pint. So if they are really <laughs> charging six pounds a pint, no one's going to be going there early. Let's not forget there are an awful lot of very good, genuine, family-run, local community businesses in Cobham as well that also need our support. So fans will make their own choice on that. They will. I mean, the thing is, Kat, what we have seen, like I say, generally, and that's not the same as Wembley, I think everyone kind of missed the surroundings of White Hart Lane. Yes. Do you think as well, a lot of fans, not only are looking forward to going to the new stadium, they're also looking forward to going back to the pubs around, you know, around the stadium, you know, the local feel of the community, like we've said, around Tottenham, people that they know very well. Of course, people had a match day routine. Yeah, you know they they know. Mm. I mean, for for me, speaking from personal experience, I go to the Antwerp Arms beforehand, mm. and I go with a few friends. But I knew everybody in the pub, of course, because everybody yeah. would go and do the same thing, and it was the same routine. And I've really missed that because at Wembley, it's so scattered. You've got pockets at Wembley Park, at Wembley Central, at yeah. you know Wembley Triangle, all over the place, and people drinking in Finchley Road and you know the other side of Wembley as well. So you can't just walk into a pub and see the same faces. And that kind of camaraderie is something that I've really missed. So I think that our fans can't wait to get back and actually you know have that old routine again. It's really yeah. important. Before I ask you any more about the new stadium, Cat, let me ask you about Wembley. Obviously, we're coming yeah. towards the end of our temporary home. Um, how would you review what it's been like this season overall? Do you, do you know what? Overall, probably a six out of ten, and that's that's quite a good score, I think. It's not for bad, a is it? Considering how we started, it's, we were all a bit worried, weren't we? <laughs> we were worried about on-field, and I think that we have done fantastically we have. well. 
Yeah. You know, we've had some terrific performances there. And I, I think that's a home record to be really proud of. It is indeed. Considering yeah. it's not our home. So on field, that's brilliant. And I would hope that playing in such a massive arena has really helped our squad as well. I don't think we'd have played as well over in Madrid or at Dortmund if we hadn't have had that experience before. So, you know, I think I think that's great. So on the on field, can't really moan about that. And let's hope it stands us in good stead for the FA Cup semi and hopefully FA Cup final. Um, from Exactly. From like a stewarding and policing point of view, it's been tricky. I think it's always difficult when you're playing in a third-party stadium. Yeah. So they're not Tottenham stewards, you know. We have we therefore have very little input into mm. how that side of it's been organised. You know, the queues at certain gates, so, you know, M and N and whatever, like the west side gates have been horrendous for an awful lot of the season and the security checks have been really full on for some games and then cursory for others. So there doesn't seem to have been much consistency there. I think in terms of the cost of going to Wembley, so not just your extra travel if, you, if it's not, you know, on your doorstep, but the cost of concessions in there, so food and drink, has been excessive. <laughs> I don't. I don't think any parent wants their kids to see the pick and mix again. It's like twenty quid every time you even look <laughs> at any of the pick and mix kiosks. Um, so that's that's been difficult as well. But all in all, you know, hopefully we're almost at the end now, and I think it's been a good effort. Uh, I think you know, was it sixty three, sixty four thousand yeah. average? Mm. Pretty good. Not bad at all. Pretty good. No. Yeah. Do you think in a way, Kat? Do you think maybe the club has as maybe taking advantage of the fact that they are building this home, look, we're going home. Do you think that's maybe... I know it's hard. To, I'm not even sitting here trying to justify the sin ticket prices, but mm. do you think maybe that's what they're kind of lending towards that? Rather than us going to build away somewhere else, we're effectively building where our home originally was. Yeah, no, I, I can't blame them for that. Mm. I, you know, I believed passionately about keeping Tottenham in Tottenham. Of course, we all did, I didn't we? We all did. Yeah. Massively anti yeah. any proposed move to Stratford oh, or anywhere else. Yeah. And I think that's something to be really proud of. And to a man, every fan is looking forward to going home. So I can't blame them for using that angle at all. Mm. Um, do I think that that's made them put the prices up more? <sighs> no, because I think that they, they probably would have done that anyway, because they're, they're saying it's facilities and, you know, what's inside the stadium, not where the stadium actually is. I mean, Tottenham's a pretty impoverished part of London, so if you were going to base it on that, then no. Yeah, I mean, what, let me ask you, Kat, when do you think we might find out about the individual match day pricing for the various membership groups? Do you think we might find out soon? Any ideas? Yeah, right, so my theory and the way that I would always try and work out season ticket pricing is to work out your match day pricing first. Because each match is broken down into category A, B or C. Yep. Your cat A's are obviously your Arsenal, Cities, United, Liverpool's, or, you know, your big games. Yep. And they're the most expensive tickets. And then we move down. I think it's six cat A's, six B's and seven C's if that adds up to 19. Um, so I would work out those price points first. Yep. And then add those all together, which would be your season ticket price, and I'd knock a bit off. You get a small discount up front. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. You know, yeah. but loyalty discount, paying mm. up front, all the rest of it. So I would do it the reverse way around. I'd look at my match day pricing first, because for me, that's hugely sensitive. If you've got to try and fill a stadium on a match by match basis, that is a key factor. So what the members would pay or what you'd pay on a general sale is incredibly important. But the club don't subscribe to this theory. And we had this argument last year, and well, we haven't had this argument this year because I haven't spoken to us about <laughs> it. But we had this argument last year because I was absolutely baffled 
that they could set season ticket pricing without having any clue about what the match day pricing would be. Because then obviously what happens is your match day pricing, pricing is hugely compromised because you're having to work back from a figure. So you really don't have much wriggle room. So if you do kind of look, I would expect the match day pricing to be pretty toppy. Yeah, I was about to say it's um, going to be quite oh, high. Yeah. It's going to be quite high based on what we've seen so far. The season ticket prices, you would imagine they're going to fall Absolutely. around I mean, the my same. My average money. season mm. ticket, my average match day price in my area is fifty-two quid. So you've got to be looking at a spread of like I don't know forty to seventy or something. Yeah. But I'm in one of the cheaper seats, so they will definitely be clearing a hundred pounds on some of the Category A seats, which is an awful lot of money for 90 minutes of football. But you asked when. So the club will say we never announce until June. Now, I think that's too late, but we'll see. The Premier League forced them to submit their pricing by June. So they tend to just work to that deadline. So I can't say if it will be out any earlier or not, but that's, that's how they've normally done it in the past. Okay, interesting. Let me ask you, Kat, what's your honest opinion then? Moving forward, um, in terms of, I'm going to ask you, obviously, if I asked you now, we're going to that stadium, mm. say, next month, we were looking that far forward. If we fast forward three, four months, mm-hmm. how do you overall honestly see it? Do you think we are going to find a way of, you know, dealing with it, coming to terms with it and still making it work? What's your honest opinion? I think the stadium is going to be fantastic. It, looks, it does I look amazing, think, doesn't it? It does, it? does yeah, and, yeah. and I don't want to, you know, play down no, no, the all. hard work yeah. that, thousands of people have put in to you know designing building making that stadium hopefully open on time that that's been a mammoth effort and Mm. i know i know in fairness of the board at tottenham they've had sleepless nights and it's been the biggest project anyone could undertake and i was fortunate enough to go on a site tour before we had our last board to board meeting and it looks incredible Mm. so i have no doubt that for that first season those opening games and that entire first season it's going to be amazing because, you know, it's our home and we're going back there and it's a brand new stadium with the best stadium in Europe and all the rest of it. That's great. But let's just see what happens after that. Because you've got a situation where some season ticket holders are now completely priced out. So they, they can't renew their season ticket at all. That's not even an option for them. You've got others who are really struggling to afford it. But they're going to get there and they're going to renew because they want to be there for that first season. And then you've got others that are comfortable and others that are quite happy and others that don't know why we're, in inverted commas, moaning. Um, But I think, you know, fast forward two, three years, if the performances on pitch aren't up to scratch, and, you know, when reality bites and people realise that they can't actually keep putting it on their credit card every year, then that's going to be interesting. I think next season, I would expect they'd sell it out because you will either sell it out to existing season ticket holders, there'll be enough people on the waiting list who are, are willing to, to part with extortionate amounts of money. And if not, you've got enough tourists. I was about to say, it's, to it's, a, it's a massive yeah, tourist course. destination. Yeah, of course. So I don't actually think next year is really an acid test. I, I will be it's looking year at a after. few years down the line. And that's the worry, because if you look at what's happening at Arsenal, you know, mm. that's what we're trying to avoid, basically. Swathes of empty seats in an unatmospheric stadium. Yeah, and therefore it's absolutely critical, Kat, that we keep the likes of our best players this manager i mean like you've said there i mean do you get that feeling then cat that after the first year that whilst that never novelty effect maybe wears off that's going to be the true change of where we see the stadium's going to be yeah and i mean it's not even just a feeling we've had so many emails from Mm. trust members and just you know wider members of the fan community saying that that they would sell the children to be in there for the first season but after that they're done so, I mean, talk's cheap as well, yeah, so we'll have to see how it plays out. But that's not just my gut feel. That's been a, a common recurring theme 
in the correspondence that we've been receiving over the past fortnight. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Listen, Kat, I don't want to keep too much of your time tonight. You've right. been absolutely amazing. We've got five minutes, Kat. Let's talk about on the pitch. Isn't it you want to say about the <laughs> club on the pitch? Because, listen, when we have you on normally, as you know, we normally get you on to talk about a game that hopefully Spurs have won. <laughs> you do. Tell, <laughs> Kat, give us five minutes. What have you made about the club on the pitch this season? How proud have you been of the boys? And can we win really the FA good. Cup? Really good. Well, I mean, again, playing effectively all our games away from home, yeah. I think we've been fantastic. We have. Yeah, on, on the whole, I think most of the performances have been well above par. Um, the FA Cup, very excited, but trying not to be. I know, isn't, I, it you know hard, isn't it? so hard. <laughs> we're all, we're all, you know... It, what did you make of the draw, Cat? Man United first. I mean, listen, let's it's be good. honest. It, it's, have we got a great chance here, Cat? I mean, I personally think we do, yes. but as a Tottenham fan, I don't want to get too excited because we've been here before. <laughs> we get ourselves times. excited several times. And But is this the year, Cat, where we can, you know, from a mentality perspective, oh, you feel if we I get really past Man so. United, you do feel we could beat Chelsea if it was Chelsea. I really hope so. I mean, that is that is a major hoodoo, isn't it? Yeah, the of course. Seven, the seven semi finals. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I can't understand how that's still happening. So we, when none of the players are the same and the managers aren't the same, so much has changed. So I would be massively looking for a hugely professional performance against United. That is all I'm thinking of right now. If we can get past that semi, game on. Yeah. But I think we've. I, I was just relieved it wasn't Chelsea. Let's be honest. No, I agree with you. I agree. <laughs> but wouldn't it be sweet after all this about Chelsea? It's a club that you know we're playing them this coming weekend as well on the Sunday. Yes. You feel? Do you think that game has any? bearing at all going into the you know yeah. in terms of you know if we was to get past you look at certain milestones where listen we beat Man United yeah. at Wembley so you yeah. thought that could play a pivotal factor when you look at you know kind of the mentality issues we faced I don't want to stand for bridge for what 20 years do you think this weekend if we Probably could beat them in, well yeah could yeah. <laughs> if we could beat them in the league at the weekend do you think that you know from a mentality perspective that makes us that bit stronger to be able to carry on well, of with course, these assets isn't that like the the last big kind of block now you would say wouldn't you we, we won at Old Trafford won at Old Trafford we've won at Anfield we won, we won at the Etihad, we've won, won at, at Anfield, we've won, yeah. we've won at yeah, exactly won at the Emirates. Yeah. I think that's the, the last big block, and, and I don't know how they keep managing to beat us or you know pulling us back to a draw. I've been so many times to Stamford Bridge <laughs> and actually thought we were going to do it, and it was one cup game when we were three nil up at half time, and we still still managed to draw, and then they beat us in the replay. That's, Tottenham, that's isn't it? exactly right, exactly right. That's why we love them. So I think mm. Chelsea away is one of those games where I have zero expectations now because it's just happened too many times. But I, look, we are a better team team than them, and we're better players individually. So I don't know why we can't go there and get a result. I really mm. don't. I've got to ask you, Kat. I know you said this on one of the other podcasts, but um, I think the club asked you. You know, do we want any flags or anything for the semi-final? Yes. You've got to tell our listeners out there what you said, please. <laughs> Just no. I mean, honestly, I, I, I mean, I've been up there at like eight in the morning laying out 30,000 flags before. <laughs> for, first of all, personally, I'm not doing that again. But we don't need the sideshow or the circus. No, you know, let's break all the traditions that we've had before. Yeah. And let's literally just go out there, focus and win the game. You know, it's a day's work. We're all on a business trip, basically. You know, just get behind them, focus. I don't think we need anything like that. We don't need to show the viewers at home that we care about our club. You know, we'll be, they'll be able to hear it. Exactly. Because we'll be deafening. Because what we do, we don't really wave flags or, you know, do all the TFO stuff. We sing. And when we sing, we're deafening. And we can really get behind them. And I don't think we need anything more than that, personally. No, I agree. Well, listen, what a way to end a half an hour. Cat, can I just say <laughs> on behalf of all of us on Last Word on Spurs and me personally, um, it's an absolute pleasure having yourself and Martin running the trust. And I think, again, it has oh, to be emphasized that you guys, you do this for, you know, 
you're not paid for it. You do it out of the goodness of your heart. And I know you have received some wonderful messages recently from you know fans, members that also appreciate the work you guys do. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. I mean, we're a board of nine and everyone pulls their weight. So although me and Martin tend to do more of the podcasts and media, you know, a big shout out to the other seven board members as well. So and to a lot of our members who help us also. But yeah, we've we've had a lot of support recently, which has been massively appreciated. All we can ever do is try and articulate our members views, uh, you know, and, and, and give fans a voice. So as long as we're doing that, that's job done. Oh, you most certainly are. Well, Kat, thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been Thanks, a real, real pleasure having you. You've been amazing. Hello, guys, and welcome back to part two of The Last Word on Spurs. As mentioned in the intro, I've got some guests with me to discuss the season ticket prices, as we've initially outlined. Joining me first, I've got back on side Jason McGovern with me. Jace, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Good to be on again. Yeah, good to have you, Jace. Joining Jason tonight, as mentioned, we've got Vas Coney from Hotspur America with us. Vas, how are you? Yeah, all good, thanks, Rick. Um, waiting for the international break to be over. Oh, aren't we all, Vass? Aren't we all? It feels like it's been dragging on, hasn't it? Um, alongside Vass and Jason, I delighted to have him back on the show. We've got Lee McQueen becoming a regular now. Lee, how are you? Thanks for having me back on. I love it. Cheers, boys. <laughs> pleasure, Lee. How pleasure. You, doing? you all right? Not bad, Lee. Not bad at all. Not bad. This should be an interesting chat for the next 45 minutes or so. Um, and joining Lee tonight, finally, delighted to have him back on the show, a regular of ours as well. We've got Ian Gum with us. Ian, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. And, uh, Nice to be in such exalted company as the uh, the other guys on the pod tonight. Oh, so you're I'm looking too forward kind. To it. Such a charmer, Ari, and such a charmer. Jace, let me come round to you and start with you, Jace. It's been, you know, the headline topic of the last couple of weeks, apart from what's going on on the field, Jace. The season ticket prices of the new stadium. It's been a fortnight later now, Jace. Have your views changed, or are you still say the same in your original opinion about the season tickets? What are you feeling on them? Well, I think it was just a, a, a case of. I wasn't particularly surprised to see the new prices that, that are announced. And it's just very difficult to interpret them, isn't it? Because there's so many different price bands and so many different phases. And the whole thing seems uh, a little bit uh, confusing at the moment. But, but, I mean, obviously for myself, there's that... I mean, I won't get a season ticket because obviously in England for part of the year, away for part of the year. And plus the fact I'd need two anyway, at least two. And then it's... Um, so the real interest for me is when I look at the season ticket prices, he's trying to trying to work out how much individual match prices will be, even for a Category C game. And, um, you know, I think we'll be looking at... I, I can't see any, any seat under 40 quid, even for a Category C game. So, you know, certainly there'll be some increases there. And, and you know, I, t I take on board all the additional facilities. But I think, as most people said the main thing that has to be right is the football on the pitch. And if the football on the pitch is right, then, then maybe you'll use the other facilities. But you can't really justify justify big price ranges just because there'll be a, a nice gourmet burger bar right next to it and a, and a craft beer stall or something like that. Fast mm. bringing you in, you kind of foresaw this situation. I know you wrote an article about a year ago where, you know, as I said, you, you thought this situation might be occurring in terms of the prices. What do you make of it, Vass? Um, yeah, it's, I kind of anticipated it. I mean, the article's on the uh, Fighting Cock site. It's, um, it's called 
build it, but will they come? Um, and season ticket pricing, let's not kid ourselves. People have been priced out of attending Tottenham for a long while now. This isn't something new. Um, we're hearing a lot more dissenting voices because it's starting to affect a lot more people. And that's why we've got this. Um, I mean, you only had to look at the what the mess, I guess, that's happened at the Emirates. We thought the club might learn from it. Um, perhaps they have. I mean, looking at the structure of the season ticket pricing from, from the website, it seems to be a hell of a lot of tickets under a thousand pounds and many many more up to about 1200 so i mean i I had the fear of god into me thinking that they're going to start charging about 1500 pounds so perhaps with that mindset it doesn't look as expensive as i thought it might do um but um i I can understand and half expected the uh the, the prices to be high uh they could have maybe um reduced them slightly i mean even in the old white Hart lane i think we had about 13 or 14 price points as well so it's it's nothing new um, and I think as well we've got to appreciate that this is a, I mean if you think back to the old White Hart Lane, West Stand for example was the most expensive side of the ground, um, I don't know why that is, traditionally that was the sort of prestige um, affluent. side of, yeah, yeah the affluent side of White Hart Lane yep. but now we've got one massive stadium that is equally affluent all the way around so yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, and I and I appreciate people's um, uh, grievances, but you know, being priced out is um, is is nothing new, sadly. I'm going to bring Ian in a second, but Lee, coming round to you, tell mm. us your thoughts, Lee, because I know you are one of them that you can understand the club's ticketing prices. Well, the, yeah, I mean, uh, to, like I say, I'm I'm not here to to speak for everyone. I think for me. I've been a season ticket holder now for coming on four years, so relatively new. I've been a club member now for, I don't know, 10 years plus. Um, so I was waiting for the opportunity to open. Uh, thankfully, AVB come to our club and uh, loads of season tickets come available um, once he left. So that was quite, that was quite good for me. So, so I'm relatively new to this and I, and I don't live in the area, to be honest, either. So I'm looking at kind of the points and the phasing and is it fair and, you know, is it about money spent and is it about where you live geographically and that type of stuff. Still makes me an amazing fan. I still go home and away where I can. I'm still an mm. amazing, I still love my club. Yeah. I think I'm coming from, I'm coming from it from a, I think it should be expected. There's reports um, this week that the, the stadium's costing around £850 million. We've got a world-class training facility. We've got a world-class stadium. We've got a world-class manager. And finally, dare I say it, we are starting to get a world-class team. What do we expect? You know, we've got a 21% in some cases. And with the season ticket where I'm going to go on Wednesday, there's a 21% increase in that. When you, when you look at that uh, uh, against a day trip to Chessington World Adventures or a Legoland trip, it's, it's, it's comparable. The ticket price for me is about fifty pounds. You know, if I take my kids to Walton Towers, it's going to cost me fifty-five pounds. So I, I, I don't think that it was it was ever going to be certainly in the first season going to be cheaper or, or on the same um, the same pricing as what the old White Hart Lane were. I think look, we all love White Hart Lane, um, and the new White Hart Lane hopefully is going to be amazing, give us some phenomenal memories, but. That times move on, and I think we have to move with them times. And I don't want uh, the, the club to price fans out of the market. 
it's just the world that we live in. We can't have and spend hundreds and thousands each week on people's wages and get the best players with the best wages. And I know we're not paying them yet, but that would be another debate all, all, all in. Well, we're going to mention that, Lee, don't worry. Our, we're going to mention exactly, that. Exactly. And then expect <laughs> our season ticket prices to, 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 to not go up when we've got world-class facilities on our doorstep now. So that's kind of where I'm at, I think. I think it's, you know, it's, it's hard to stomach for, for, for a lot of people, but that's just the world we live in, isn't it? Uh, listen, I can, from my perspective, bring in, before I just bring Ian in, um, I can understand the fans' fury, some of them, towards you know the prices out there. Am I surprised? No. Am I disappointed? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Ian, let's bring you in. What's your thoughts, Ian? And be brutally honest, because that's what you're here for. Well, from my perspective, I think these increases are totally obscene. I think that, you know, going on what Vaz said earlier on, I think I've read somewhere that there are 27,000 seats at £1,125 or less, and there are 23,000 seats at £995 or less. Now, I've been going, a bit like Lee, I've been going home and away for the last 10 years. I have now, for the first time in 10 years, had to set, a ceiling of how much I'm prepared to pay. It's the first time in those 10 years I've ever had to think like that because I've just gone, I've just paid the money before. But mm. yeah, when we're in a situation where they say, oh, there's no like, where Tottenham say there's no like for like comparison anywhere, I would turn around and say that they offered us nice cheap season tickets at Wembley in, on the premise of getting people in. They also made a sort of like a, a veiled threat to say that if you didn't take up a season ticket at Wembley, then you might not get the opportunity in the new White Hart Lane. So these are all things that, that, that was, I've picked up from the Trust and from other articles that have come out in the intervening period. Now, if it gets to the stage where somebody that's been the last 10 years home and away been to Dortmund, Leverkusen Ghent, then I'm not unique in that and maybe, as Lee said it's just my natural time if I can't afford to pay mm -hmm. but my argument is is that there's a lot of really really fantastic people that go to see our games and I'll be really gutted if I'm not one of them next year because the club has priced me out Interesting. Oh, let's say I completely understand everyone's parties. I mean, Jace, you hear Ian's thoughts there, um, and you hear Lee's thoughts there, and obviously Vass saying, he, you know, from his perspective, you know, he expected this. Judging by all those points, Jace, where where are you at? I mean, can you understand everyone's thoughts overall on that? I think I mean, you know, as Vass says, I'm I'm not surprised. I can understand their their pricing. I can I can vaguely see what the club are trying to do. I understand, as Lee says, you know, the price of football, and, and, and let's, let's just, all, you can almost take Tottenham out of it. The price of going to watch Premier League football at any London club, you know, is, is comparable to, to a day out at Chessington and things like that. But the, And if you go to the theatres or anything like that. But the big difference, I suppose, between any sporting event or any theatre event or any pop concert or any day out of football is 
you tend to go to Chessington once or twice a year, or you might have a day at the test match once a year, or you might have a, a ticket at the Open for the golf once a year. Whereas football is going to be at least 19 games, uh, if not cup ties and European games. And I think that's that's the, the, the different part where, where football has to understand that you can't price it just comparative to to a day everywhere else because we go a hell of a lot more often and the the, the loyalty of the fan and and the emotion of a fan is far more invested in a football club than it is a ticket to a Wimbledon or anything like that and, mm. and football has to recognize that that's the problem with football do you see James before I move it on to that in a second do you see in you know time Moving forward, do you see a change maybe in in the atmosphere at Tottenham because of the season ticket prices, or is that a lame excuse? Do you think at this stage to throw a comment like that out there? Well, I, I think I think it, that's a general point, Ricky. That that it's a difference in football, isn't it? I mean, we've been talking about the the prawn sandwich brigade since what was it? Roy Keane said it what, fifteen years ago or whatever. And I think anywhere you go, let's be fair about it. There's, there's a hell of a lot of stadiums you go to. The, the whole building of modern stadiums to the old terraces. I mean, football, the atmosphere has changed. But without a doubt, I think if you, I think one of the, the, the disappointing things they've got is, I think that I read that any any season to get over £1,100 over that price point has no concessions. So, you know, for, for the 35, 40-year-old man that wants to take his, his 15-year-old boy, albeit the mum wants to take her daughter... You know, the fact that, that that child doesn't get a concessionary price is a big danger because, you know, the children is the supporters in 20 years' time and 15 years' time. And it's it's very dangerous if families as such get priced out, that's for sure. Let me ask you, Vas, bring it around to you. And I asked the same point to Kat. Do you feel the club are, in a way, trying to build this stadium more as an all-day experience rather than just a football match. I mean, I make the point, you know, the club, you know, we've got the things now such as, you know, you've got, you've got the cheese room, you've got the 1882 season ticket, you've got the tunnel club, you know, apparently you've got the micro room and this longest bar. Is it more now, Vast, than just a game you are purchasing with a season ticket overall? Look, all those uh, cheese rooms and, and everything else, they, they've become a, a bit of a a meme, haven't they? Everyone's uh, using it to, to have a poke at the club. But yeah. we know that this tunnel club and the cheese room and everything else are only going to be in certain exclusive areas of the stadium for those people that can afford it. Um, it was always going to be set up as a, uh, dare I say, it, an entertainment venue, um, somewhere where people can spend more time in the stadium I think the club knew that maximising revenue is what it's all about, and if they've been looking at, if they've been looking west, is it to America, uh, and seeing how these NFL teams run their stadia, then mm. that's how they earn their their corn. They keep people in for as long as possible and sell them as much as possible. Is that going to work um, here, Vast? Do you think? Sorry to interrupt you. Do you think it's going to work here? <clears throat> um, I don't know. Time will tell. I think fans will still want to get to the ground early and go to their usual drinking places yeah. and, mm. you know, favourite uh, eating places, etc. So I don't know. And it will probably land on its arse as well if, if they're going to sort of transfer some of the prices for food and drink that we've seen at Wembley into into White Hart Lane, uh, the new White Hart Lane, uh, and take the prices even higher. They're going to they're gonna struggle, especially when people are paying uh, these sort of uh, prices for, for tickets. So it's going to be a it's going to be a stretch. 
there may be a knock-on effect to, 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 to atmosphere as well because we're changing the demographic inside the stadium too. Uh, and as I said before, sorry to blab on, this no, has been perfect. going on for years. I mean, before, if you remember, I don't know, 70s, 80s, if some of you are old enough, we had working class people in the stadiums. You'll see footage of old games from the 70s and early 80s of kids inside the ground. I used to go as a teenager with my mates and we all used to be inside the ground watching Spurs play and that's what it was like. Uh, but then as the years go by, that changed. You suddenly saw slightly more affluent people. People, working class people were getting priced out from back then. And so it's continued. And now when you've got something as state-of-the-art as this, um, it's another cycle in, in, in something that I suppose in the end reflects society, doesn't it? Mm. Let me ask you, Lee, bringing it back round to you. You can understand, as you said, the, the, the ticket prices. So what I want to ask you, Lee, is that at the moment we mm. are seeing relative you know, success, do I say, in terms of Tottenham improving year after year after year. We haven't yet, Lee, won a trophy under this manager. I think it's widely known that at the moment our wage structure is heavily incentivised by bonuses. Are we then hoping, Lee, with this, wage, with this stadium coming in as it is, that we are going to see it being reflected in terms of the squad, in terms of improved contracts, and hopefully in terms of trophies, Lee? Because my only concern is that, you know, after that first year in the stadium, does the novelty effect start to wear off, Lee? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think the only way to, uh, to answer that question is time will tell, won't it? Mm. Um, you know, uh, we, we could do this again in a year's time or in two years' time, talk about the same subject and yes we've already talked about the fact that um you know some fans are, are going to be isolated with the with the with the with the price hikes but actually can we stomach a 20 percent or 21 percent um uh rise if we start winning loads of trophies or you know we start offering bigger contracts to players and keeping them you know or are we always going to be i mean we talk about you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, we were selling our best players. We still were, you know, back in 2013. Gareth Bale, Luka Modric, Berbatov. Yeah, because because we couldn't keep these players at the club, probably because of the wage structures and uh, and, and the bonus goes uh, goes on there. I have to say, just on the wage structure and bonus structure, though, coming from, a, from the businesses that I run, I actually think it's a very good structure, you know, from a bonus point of view. Um, rather than just paying wages, I think it's good to pay wages and bonuses. I think it's admirable, I think it's admirable. It yeah, no, so, so mm. do I. I, I think it's actually a really good structure. Does it work in football? Is that going to make any any differences for the likes of Harry Kane's and Toby's and whatever? Again, time will tell. I think, you know, give give the uh, the club some... Uh, again, I'm, I'm Mr Optimistic here, guys, so forgive me, but give the club some credit for um, doing what they've done, building us these world-class facilities... Let's not be too surprised that we're going to have to end up paying for them because, because obviously that's always what's happened. Vash, you just said it yourself, 70s and 80s, you know, we were still doing the same thing. The fans still end up paying for it. But in, in a year's time or two years' time, and it might be too late by then, that, you know, that, that shit might have sailed. But in two years' time, if we're still in the same situation, i.e. not playing pay people's wages or uh, not spending the fans' money, essentially that's get the, 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 the gate money, um, on on the club, on the on the pitch, on the football fans, uh, sorry, on the on the football players, and we're not getting success from it, then maybe that's the time to to judge even further. But you know, I, again, I, I just think you, you look around, you look at all of the other clubs. I haven't done a comparison, but you look at all of the other clubs. Man, Manchester United have been getting seventy six thousand every other week for what the best best part of ten years, which is why they can afford 
what they can afford, you know. So you, you've almost got to start somewhere, you know. We've gone from 36,000 to 62 and a bit thousand in the new stadium. And them, them ticket prices are going to go a long way for our club's development, you would hope, in the next can five I, years or so. Can I just... Uh, yeah, go for it, Bass. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Lee. Yeah, sorry, mate. Uh, Martin Cloak of the Trust has, has written a good article in The Guardian today mm. uh, about this issue. So I'd suggest Spurs fans go go and look that up. Yeah. Um, and I think there is uh, somewhere reported um, that of club total income that's being spent on, sorry, gate receipts as a percentage of. Um, Wages to to players is only a small part because every oh, the, the the bulk of the money for clubs these days comes outside of gate receipts. So I'm not saying that having this bigger stadium and charging these prices are going to suddenly see us splash the cash, but um, it's going to help and it's going to help pay off the loan on this stadium because it's being serviced by debt. Now I know we, I know we don't have to pay off the loan tomorrow. That's a I don't know, 15, 20-year commitment or whatever it is. Um, but I don't know how much it will impact wages, uh, is all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and I know earlier on I said um, this isn't the uh, first time that fans are being priced out. I didn't want to sound glib, just to clarify. I'm not saying that it's right what the club are doing. I'm just saying that this is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Ian, let yeah. me bring it back round to you. Uh, it's common knowledge, Ian, that Spurs currently sitting fourth in the Premier League. We are, you know, the sixth in the Premier League budget in terms of wages paid to players, as I've mentioned already, with the highly incentivised bonuses making up that wage structure. Is the argument, Ian, at all that, you know, the stadium prices have to be expanded in order so over time we can compete with the likes of the Man Cities, the Man United and the Chelsea of this world that are spending considerably more than us, Ian? Is that an argument at all, in your opinion? No, I don't think it is. Because if you look at the article that Vaz has just mentioned from, mm. from Martin, yeah, and there was another good piece by the Spurs blogger, Alan Fisher. Mm. Um, there's no evidence that this money will go to the players. When we last looked, I think, in the article that Martin Cloak wrote in The Guardian, I think it's 10.8% of our in total revenue, uh, our gate monies go to our overall turnover. That's, that's 11%. So 88% of our revenue comes from other streams. Now, as I said, I think the increases are the fans having to pay for the upkeep. I think I read somewhere that we still owe 25 million on the training centre. We've had to secure a loan of somewhere between 100 and 200 million to get the the stadium over the line. That's what we're paying for. And I think it's a, a tad naive to think that we are going to be able to to lock horns with with a club that is state sponsored you know if if people think we're going to turn into manchester city overnight then i'm (laughs) sorry people that ain't happening because we haven't got the resources of a country behind us and just going back to the to the to the increases i think you know from from me where i sit at wembley as to a to a comparable place at wembley in the new white art lane I am looking at a 43% increase. Now, some of the increases, you're looking at 70%. I go back to what I said at the beginning, Rick, it's obscene. And I think that I think that we are being, we, I think we, we're being held to ransom 
by Tottenham. I think if you listen to the stuff coming out of the, out of the trust, I, th- I think that they've been basically kept in the dark. And I, and I don't know whether you know Cat mentioned it when you spoke to I her. I think Cat, yeah, I mean, like I say, Cat's been but, more than honest in terms of you know their well, feelings. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. She was she, she was given to, uh, she was told at about eleven fifty eight mm. some headline some headlines a couple of Mondays ago, and then they launched it. Now this is this is a trust, and I think you know I'm going to say this. You know, I think the trust has has, has behaved impeccably. Mm you know, exemplary throughout this whole sorry debacle. They've been absolutely brilliant. But for our trust, who do a great deal of work for us, not to be kept in the loop with regards to what is happening is is a major disservice to, to not only themselves, but to the fan base that has kept them, you know, that has supposedly built this product. Because ultimately, Sky and, and BT and all the other TV companies that buy into us, they buy it because they like the atmosphere. You kill the atmosphere, you kill the product. And that's what my concern is. I, I, you know, I expected to pay extra. I'm not stupid. I, I work in the private sector. But 43%, please show me anywhere else where those sorts of increases would be met with the same sort of understanding. And if you've got the, the disposable income to be able to afford that, then good on you. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are a lot of play, there are a lot of supporters out there who haven't got that. And I feel for somebody like John who's on who comes on the pod, you know, how is he going to afford to take Kean and his and his other son? We're a family, as you say in it's gonna be very hard, I mean? isn't it, with kids? It is, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. And and you know, so so that's my concern. I expected an increase, but I think they are riding roughshod over the very people, you know, like Lee and Vaz and Jason and yourself mm. that go to the game and that make the atmosphere. Yeah. And that and that that's that's my real anger with it because now Tottenham in my world have turned themselves into a brand, and now I now need to decide whether I want to pay that premium for that brand. You know, they've made me feel less of a supporter and more of a customer. And if I'm a customer, I can either vote with my feet to go or vote with my feet to go somewhere else. You and know that's what, Ian? really bad. Go on, mate. So, yeah, sorry to come in again. I've um, oh, got yeah. too much to say on Don't this. Don't be saying no, go for it. Please, that's what you're here for. It's a free debate. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I'm, I made decisions like that uh, some years ago just to sort of outline i got priced out in the early 2000s and that was i was a i've been going since i was a kid i was a season ticket holder from the mid 80s to the early 2000s so probably about 15 16 years i was a season ticket holder and my my boys came along i wanted to be able to take them and i i, I couldn't afford three season tickets and then i had changes in in my life with work etc so I had to give it up and I became a, a bronze member and started to, to pick and choose my games. I also moved north, which meant I had to factor in travel costs uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm quite high up on the, on the waiting list. I'm about 200 or something. And over the recent years, I've been offered season tickets at the old White Hart Lane and I've turned them down. Again, I had to take uh, a decision 
financial decision and, and that's what happened. And then last year, of course, we had this uh, debacle about opening season tickets at uh, Wembley, which Ian quite rightly says was a sort of blackmail to get people on board for the new stadium. Uh, again, I got offered one, but I didn't want a season ticket at Wembley and I passed that opportunity by. And as a result, about 30 odd thousand new season ticket holders jumped ahead of me, got season tickets in readiness for for the new stadium. I feel that I might be in this position personally to be able to go to get a season ticket at the new stadium. But now I'm not even in the eight, first eight phases. So when you're talking about the club treating the fans um, with some element of contempt and it's becoming a brand and, and everything else, uh, I can assure you that it's what I said earlier. It, it's been happening for a number of years. Perhaps this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. And, and as Martin Cloak was saying, I think a lot of fans are saying that, you know, we'll give it this season and, and see. So next season is going to be a real, real uh, eye opener, I think. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they created a bit of a rod of their own back, really, the club. I mean, as all this is going on, we have got a game coming up this weekend as well. Let's not forget against Chelsea. Um, there's been obviously our players at the moment on international duty. So just for a, a small time, I mean, in terms of just deviating away for a little while, Jace, whilst this whole stadium, you know, discussion over the tickets are going on, we've had the rumours about Toby Adeviro's future, as you well know. Um, obviously, the rumours this week being that, you know, it sounds like talks are at a standstill on Toby. You don't need this speculation going on, Jace, when the stadium tickets are being announced because he is one of the key players we want to keep at this club. And you did write a very, very interesting article that we published on the last word on Spurs about Toby's situation. Do you think you want to say on air about that situation, Jace? No, I think that, I think the article, I, I try to cover it and, and look at it from all angles and, and try and keep a, almost a, a level head about it and, and to see the pluses and minuses of, of all the different ways. I've, I've always said, I, I can see it from Toby's point of view. I can see it from the club's point of view. And I will definitely always argue you don't pay anyone exactly whatever they want because that's 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 a, a crazy way to go down, particularly when you've got 25 other squad members that, that will then instantly all say, well, you can all pay me what I want as well. So it's it's a, a tricky situation. Hopefully, you know, I'm still... I still hope something can be solved. I still hope... That the club and Toby can reach an agreement, but whether they are or whether Toby is, is genuinely still committed to Tottenham for for wanting to sign a new contract, I'm, I honestly don't know, mate. Let me ask you, Lee. I mean, I'll be honest from my perspective. I've personally accepted the fate that Toby won't be here next season, whether that's rightly or wrongly on my behalf. I'm just, you know, see, seeing it as I say it at the moment. I don't know, but Lee, you mentioned there about you know the price of the stadium. You know, you compare it to different things. If Spurs lose yet another key player this summer. You know, lost Walker the previous summer, lose another one in Toby. Does that change your perception at all? And what's your thoughts if we are to lose Toby? I mean, is that a, is that a huge, huge blow? Or can we somehow, you know, continue without him? Because let's be honest, Lee, you know, for a period this season, we have missed, you know, we have been without him and we have coped. Yeah, I mean, coped is probably quite a nice word. Isn't yeah, it? coped. I use, I use the word coped because this yeah. is an unbelievable yeah. player and we exactly. want him to be exactly. here. Let's make that clear. We want him to be here. We but don't want to lose him. A couple of things, a uh, couple of questions in, in there that you said. So, 
So for me, um, I think it is a massive blow for lose Toby. You know, I said on this pod last uh, last year, it'd be a massive blow for Hughes Walker. Mm. Um, and, and, and obviously we did. Daniel Levy's already come out and said that there'd be no one leaving the club that they don't want to leave. So uh, he was very um, coy with his words there, of course, wasn't he? Because he's not basically saying that we're going to keep everyone that His words were that you know, anyone that Mauricio wants to stay will stay. Will so, stay, exactly. In stay. a way, you know, exactly. he's... <laughs> It's on Pochettino's head, it sounds like. And if he does go, it's because Pochettino has sanctioned that transfer. Yeah. yeah. So, so with the Toby thing as well, I mean, again, I was saying to um, to a few of the lads that I go to, to, to the football with, um, when Sanchez came in, he, he, he was Toby's replacement. Like, is that, is that then, how you've it, seen yeah, it? That's, that's how you've seen that's, it, that is it? That's how I saw it right. back then. Right. And, and between whether or not I think it is Pochettino, but whether or not Pochettino or Daniel Levy or, you know, general management of the club... They are actually very good now at weaning the fans off of one of their players. Like, we all became weaned, if you like, off of Walker. And when Walker left, it, most fans, the general consensus was 50 million for a fullback, no brainer. Yeah, let him go. We've got Trippier. You know, and, and, you know, Trippier was coming through and he's a um, more than capable replacement for Walker. You know, everyone's opinion could be divided on if he's exactly, you know, the right or, or whatever. But the reality is we've got a couple of decent right backs or full backs to replace Walker. Now we can sell, now we can sit here and say the same thing about Sanchez with Toby. And you've just almost alluded to the fact he's been out since November and we've coped, um, but we've coped really well. I mean, we were unbeaten in the Premier League and in, 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 in the domestic uh, competitions in 2018. We went on an unbeaten run until the Juve night from December the 16th, all without Toby Alderweireld. Uh, and as Jace uh, wrote in his article, which is brilliant, by the way, Jace, um, you know, all of the key things, we've actually got, I think, better stats without Toby than we have with. So that's quite interesting. But what we've done is we've, we've been able to cope or we've been able to start to think about life without Toby before Toby has actually gone anywhere. In other words, they've weaned us off, Toby, to to allow us for the worst case scenario, which would be, oh, you know, we've got 70 million for Toby, but we've got Sanchez. In the exact same, oh, we've got 50 million for Walker, but actually we've got Kieran Trippier, or, or, or as it now is. That doesn't deter from your third part of the question, which was, is that going to be a problem with these uh, hiking of prices and losing our best players? For me, yes, it is. Because there's not going to be long, and I said this last season, when Walker goes, somebody else will follow. And if Toby goes, somebody else will follow. And we do not want that to be, no. well, one, we don't want it to be Toby, but we definitely don't want that to be Kane or Ali or Son or Ericsson. Well, because all of a sudden, we're, we're in a, a 62,000 stadium that's costing the earth, um, and we've got no world-class players on the pitch. And we're paying a lot of money, as we've said on this show already, for the season tickets. I mean, exactly. Ian, let me exactly. bring it round to you. You've made your point very, you know, very clear here, Ian, on the prices. Yet another player, Ian, one of our key members of this squad, you know, more than linked with a move away from the club. It seems, you know, let's be honest, the rumours out there don't look great at the moment. I know you mustn't always go after rumours. Um, but, Ian, what are you reading into the situation at the moment with regards to Toby? He was on the bench last weekend in the Cup. You think if he isn't going to play these games, Ian, when will he play? Well... I think I agree with Lee. I think that, that it's one of those things where we're slowly being conditioned to the fact mm. that maybe he's on his way. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, we, we, we've, you know, I, I listened to, to what what Vaz was saying. It broke my heart when Glenn Oddle went. But 
went, he, he went, you know, and, you know, it's one of those things where, where some of your better players do move on. And, you know, it, it, are like, we just, are we just accepting it, though, Ian, because we seem to be this club that we have, th- you know, we let our best players go. We just now seem to be okay. accepting it. No, I, I don't <laughs> think that's that. I don't think it's that. I just think that, hey, I think Toby's people have been mm. really good on the social media front. Haven't, haven't they just? Yeah. They've been absolutely <laughs> brilliant. If anybody's mm. out there wanting a, wanting a, a, a group role. of people <laughs> a, on a PR role, then follow Toby Alderweireld's <laughs> PR people because they've true. been brilliant. <laughs> you know, h- however, mm. you know, I, I agree with, with what Jason said in his, in his excellent mm. article. You, it'd be great. Wouldn't it be great if I could go into work tomorrow and say, look, I'm getting paid X, but I now want to be paid Y, and it's mm. double, and I'm going to do exactly the same job. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. You know, my, my, you know and I think that I think that we have to be really careful in that that what we've got at the moment seems to be working. What with the bonuses that we're hearing that, that the mm. players are on. Yeah. If people if if people want to get the big money, then I'm afraid I don't ever see Daniel Levy busting his wage structure for for players like Alderweireld and I'm and I'm sorry if that sounds like people be shouting at the at their phones and their devices saying well we should we're we're in a situation where he's running a business and he's only got in 18 months to go Toby isn't he that's also a, yes. a key thing here you know we're talking not about a guy that's on a four or five year deal when he gets into that final 12 months Ian for, even if people don't like me hearing it you know saying it from a value perspective, his value is diminishing because of the length also, of that contract. And also, what we don't want to be is in a situation where his value diminishes even more in that last six months, where mm. people say, well, actually, we could have got £70 million for him last year and we're only going to get 25 for him. Or twenty-seven, depending on whether you believe this release clause stuff. What are, you, what are you saying to the people that say I don't care about that? What do people say? I don't care what the club spend, or I don't care what the club, you know, about his contract. Can you, can you reason with those kind of people or not when they respond like that? <laughs> um, all, all I'm going to say to that is, is, is everybody is entitled to their own opinions. Mm. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, but in, in, in all seriousness. It's 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 great, and it's great. You know, I think we've said it on the pod before. It's not our money, no. But they, but you know, the Daniel Levy and Donna Cullens of this world, they look at the at the overall impact of of, of wages and 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 commercial deals, and and they decide what is best for Tottenham. Yeah. Let think, me go on, Jason. Yeah, you know, I think one of the problems at the moment, obviously, and it, and it related to Danny Rose when when he came out with his thing in August mm. about trying to push things through when you're not playing. Now, like I say, I understand people saying Toby's worth it. I understand people saying Toby's worth it. I don't. I, I wouldn't disagree that Toby is worth paying paying a much higher salary. But mm. if you sit there and you say, let's let's just say. We don't know how the rest of this season will pan out, but let's say we, we secured a top three finish and we won the FA Cup. And then you're going to say to Toby, who hasn't kicked a ball for that season, we're going to pay you 150 grand, whilst the two people that have been doing your job are going to be paid 50, 60, 70, 80 grand a week, mm-hmm. less than you. Yep. And you ain't kicked a ball all season. And that's the problem by trying to say, let's just pay Toby whatever he wants now. He's mm-hmm. not kicking a ball. And, and Ian's right. What what 
if you look at it right at this second, you're, you're asking somebody to get double his pay. And by the way, I'm on sick pay for all of that as well. <laughs> It is crazy. Vass, I want to get your opinion on it before we look at Chelsea at the weekend. We've got, listen, we've got a big game coming up the weekend as well. There's so much to squeeze in tonight. Vass, let me get your thoughts on Toby, the situation. Tell us what you're, what you're thinking, Vass, at the moment. Well, listen, Toby has been one of my favourite players since the day we signed him. Mm. Uh, do I want him to leave? No, I don't. Do I think we should just chuck money at it? No, I don't. Um, Chase is quite right. The man hasn't been playing and it's difficult to negotiate on a contract when the individual isn't playing football. Uh, he's also what twenty nine now. Yep. You know, if mm. he's asking for so a five year contract, the last would you big give contract, Bass, isn't it? This one is yeah. the last big one. I understand he's got to do what's right for him, mm. and I have no problem with him sort of asking uh, for a great deal. I do believe, though, that the club and Toby's side were a lot closer uh, and then the Virgil van Dijk deal went down and I think that's that's scuffered it somewhat mm. um, it's, it's raised the bar but um, yeah I think it's it's looking like we are gradually easing him out uh, I do hope that they can compromise somehow but I think we're going to be resigned to losing him and I think as a fan base though I think we, we do tend to get attached to players and football clubs are quite different. They do have to look at the business side of it and are happy to move players on. And, you know, who'd have thought we'd have ended up with um, Sanchez and the potential that he's got at the start of the season. I think the club's evolving and at some point we just need to trust, trust the manager really. Okay. Listen, Mick, can I just quickly say? Go for it, Lee. Yeah, yeah. No, go for it, mate. That's all right. Quickly on uh, on the old Yeah, it's very interesting. I mentioned earlier about you know whether it's Levy or whether it's Poch, mm. uh, kind of weaning and that's off, or uh, as Ian's words, which are much better than mine, conditioning ourselves to, to losing people. Mm. Um, you, you look at Poch's tenure at Southampton and all the players that you were bringing through. You, you can you can read them off as probably uh, most of them are Liverpool now, yeah. uh, but you got Lovren, you got Van Dijk, you got Lallana, uh, you had uh, the, the striker that played for England for a couple of games, um, you had um, uh, Bertrand, uh, I think he was down there. Uh, the, the other guy, um, not Bertrand, the other he's down there now. The, the, the right back Klein, Klein. All, all, yeah. you know Luke, Luke Shaw, got a man. All these players were conditioned, if you like, under Poch and under that kind of remit all been sold on for big money and up until this season really Southampton haven't struggled like the, 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 so the point I'm making is that they've Southampton for some I don't know how they did it but they ended up having replacements almost for the big players that they were selling on and they never really ended up struggling obviously now until this season they've gone for a few managers and whatever over the last couple of seasons but they've they've um, you know they got to didn't they get to a cup final last year Semi. Yeah, they did. Yeah, So I suppose, yeah. I suppose the underlying point I'm making is that you know that we've got, we've now got that that ability to condition ourselves to losing Toby because we've got Sanchez in. So it's almost like Poch can foresee what's going to happen in two or three years' time or, or eighteen months' time and gets a replacement in before they've gone. So it makes us feel a little bit more at ease with the situation. Do you remember last summer, Lee, uh, when we bought Sanchez and Foyth? And people were going, 
Why you got What's he buying centre backs yeah. for? Yeah, very yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this is why. Exactly. <laughs> you make a good <laughs> point there, Lee. But my only concern, you mentioned Southampton there. The only thing I would say is that on Pochettino, the minute he started seeing the Saints were selling their best players, Pochettino quickly scarpered. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the same things happened at Tottenham because we are keeping, like I say, majority of the summers, we are keeping our best players at the club, but we are losing the one or two. And it's just those one or two in your mind, you do kind of get that. that Irritating thing in the back of your mind that what what's Pops totally. thinking? That that's my only yeah. concern going into it. I mean, listen, yeah. Chelsea game at the weekend is really a perfect segue into that. Ian, let me come round and ask you that if Toby doesn't play at the weekend in a stadium, in that listen, let's not sugarcoat it. We've not won there for the last twenty years. You know, you want your best players to be on that field. If Toby isn't playing at the weekend in this one, Ian, then you've got to argue that you know when, when will he when will he play? Do you know what I mean? It's a big big game for us. I, I think if he doesn't play. <clears throat> against Chelsea, um, then I think we may have seen the last of him in a Spurs shirt. Really? You go as strong as that? Yeah, because can you see him getting a start out in the semi-final? I don't know. It's such a hard one, is it? I mean, you're only... I think... I think it... I think sorry, sorry, Rick. I think it depends on if he plays tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I asked Twitter actually. I, um, I didn't realise that Belgium weren't playing until tomorrow. If he starts for Belgium tomorrow... Um, in their in their friendly, then he's got another game under his belt. Which, as I think Rick, you said earlier, he's not even getting a game on on our bench against uh, Swansea. Yeah. So if he starts in Belgium, I mean, how how could you drop Sanchez and Vertonghen for 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 Toby against Chelsea? No, I, mean, I, I, I get I, that I, point. I get that know, point. I, I don't see that, but. Well, Ian, what do you think? You said you mentioned there from your perspective that if he doesn't start, you think it's that it's you know. His last, you know, this is coming towards his end in a Spurs shirt. Is that how strongly you feel on it? Yeah, because, you know, he has been on the bench for some of our other games. Yeah, and you would think if he's on the bench, he's fit. You know, I think a player, if he's on the bench, he's ready to be called upon and, if he's needed. And also, if, if you look at Pochettino's past history in cup competitions, wouldn't you have played him against Swansea? I don't yeah. think that, I just I, I just look at it, yeah, and I just think that you know if if you want to get a player as good as Toby back to match fitness, you give him games. It's true, yeah. You know, it's it's you know, and, and obviously, well, obviously, what do I know? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase the question. <laughs> it would seem, it would seem like, as 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 Lee said, we're being weaned off of him. Mm. I don't know. But, I mean, Vass, are we slowly phasing him out, do you think, if he doesn't play this weekend? Am I going a bit OTC on that, or would you go on the same lines as that, Vass? Do you know what? I wasn't expecting him to be in the starting lineup against Chelsea anyway. I think the Swansea game might have been the key. Um, but having departed the Champions League at the hands of Juventus, perhaps Pochettino is thinking, well, I've got to you know, make a bigger effort for the FA Cup and he just trusted his uh, established centre-back pairing of Sanchez and Vertonghen against Swansea. Um, to be honest, I don't know when Toby's going to play. I mean, after Chelsea... Isn't it insane, Vass, we're talking like this, isn't it? We're talking about one of the best centre-backs, if not in the yeah. Premier League, in Europe, and we're sitting here saying, we're not too sure when he's going to get a game. Well, it, it does sound incredible fitness. to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fitness though, isn't it? it I mean, is, we don't no, it know. Is, yeah. It's like Lee says, let's see how he gets on for Belgium and then that might be a marker. Mm. Um, but if he plays, if think he if plays he, it for Belgium, Vass, where does that leave us? Well, I think it leaves Pochettino with a decision to make of whether 
if he does bring him in, whether he's going to go three at the back mm. and keep Vertonghen and Sanchez. And then he's going to have to reshuffle his pack off after that. And maybe he doesn't want to right now. It could be that he wants to bring Toby in, doesn't really want to drop Sanchez, for example, but at the same time also doesn't want to change his system. So Toby's caught between a rock and a hard place at the minute. I'm sure if he put paint the, paint the paper, he might be playing in the very next game. <laughs> well, you guarantee that. If he put paint the paper, he'd be in that starting lineup. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Jace, let me ask you, coming around to you, like Vassa said and the boys have said, you know, we're talking about a partnership between Vertonghen and Sanchez that have done brilliantly this season. Let's not have it wrong. You know, Sanchez, 21 years old, first full season in the Premier League. People at times saying he's been a little bit of a, you know, he's in a bit of madness. But I mean, overall, Jace, for me, he's been absolutely brilliant. You talk about Vertonghen. If anyone is deserving of a new deal, it's that guy. He has been, you know, the guy that has held us together at the back when many have lost their heads. What do you do, Jace, if I give you this, you know, scenario? Toby plays for Belgium. Um, in the week, this coming Saturday, what do you do? Well, number one, if Toby plays for Belgium, where's he playing? Is he playing at right back or is he playing as a centre half? So, and, and I think Vassy's right. It's the fact is, why would we change a system that's been working for what since since the Manchester City game? So, and, and if you, you can't justify dropping Sanchez or Vertonghen, so if Toby comes back, what do you do? You drop Son. Or do you drop Deli Ali, or do you drop Ericsson to, to accommodate him and change the three at the back? It's not going to happen. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be the opposite. I don't think it's anything sinister if Toby's not, not playing against Chelsea. I think it's a fact. It's a massive risk to bring him back for a, for a game mm. against, for against that lot. And, I'd, you know, I'd be astonished if Toby plays on, on was it Sunday? Kind of, I've even lost track of when the game is. Is it Sunday's yeah, game? It's Sunday. It? Sunday, yeah. Sunday's yeah. game. Yeah. And, 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 but... You know, if if Davidson Sanchez gets off a plane with a with a with a bad injury, or Jan Vertonghen's play for Belgium and picks up a bad injury, it might be an entirely different scenario then. But but I honestly but, don't I don't look at it and think if Toby doesn't play against Chelsea, he's played his last game. I think it's just a question of at the moment you you can't, you can't drop either of those two centre halves, and you're not yeah. going to leave Deli Ali out to play Toby Alderweireld. So it, it's as simple as that. Thing is, Jace, isn't Wayne Yama going through the same thing? I mean, he was yeah, our player of the season last year or something, wasn't he? And, and he can't um, get back in the team. Yeah. He can't get back in the team. So, Danny Rose you know, as well, mate. Yeah, yeah. You so know, sometimes all these players are going to have to be patient and wait for their wait for their chance. Mm. I don't think that the, the days of coming back from injury and coming straight into the starting lineup, I think they're gone. Well, I don't have well, any Pochettino teams, do they? That's the thing. Well, apart from Kane, maybe. Apart from Sunday when Kane lines up. With yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we wish, we wish. Uh, it does seem positive on Kane. Gareth Southgate has been speaking he's on off, Monday. He's out of the boot, been... isn't he? Well, he's out of the boot. I mean, Gareth Southgate reckons that he'll be back sooner rather than later. I mean, Kane, as we always seem to know, he always seems to come back quicker than the time frame normally mentions, even though Spurs' injury records in terms of predictions haven't been that great. And I think since the um, previous, you know, Injuries in the past, the likes of a tongue and Alderweire, the club have been very cautious to try and put a return frame on it. Lee, let me ask you then, really digging into this Chelsea game at the weekend. At the moment, the gap in the league is five points between us and Chelsea. 20 years, Lee, since we won up there. Sorry to keep saying it, guys, I do apologise. If we was to get a win, Lee, and it would be an amazing win up there... Does that all but, do you think, secure our top four place? Or is there still a lot of games, well, I say a lot of games to go for. After that, there'll be seven left. Can we still be quickly? Um, oh, I don't know. We're Spurs fans, isn't yeah. we? So what more to say? <laughs> um, I think, I think, 
look, I mean, I'm Mr. Optimistic, so I think, yeah, I think it's a massive, massive gain. It's a huge, huge statement for us as, as, as our own belief, I think, because of the whole 20 years thing and, and it's Chelsea. And look, let's be honest, right? Uh, when we were chasing the title down in 2016, we had that game won. Uh, we're two 0 up, and uh, Mason goes through one and one. He sticks a ball in the net, goes three 0 We don't have the battle of the bridge as it was as it was famously known, because there was no need. It would have been game over, and we still ended up blowing it, if you like. Have we have we matured? Have we grown since then over the last couple of seasons? Yeah, I do. I think we have. Um, but they just seem to have something over us, don't they, Chelsea? You know, the only the only Premier League game that we've lost this season at Wembley was against Chelsea. I mean, you couldn't make it up, could you? So. I think if we do win, it's a big if though, but if we do win, I think that with the games that we've got left, um, I think that I don't think it would be caught. I think it would be a top four finish. And, and I just have to echo a little bit what Jay said, Jay said earlier about top three finish in an FA Cup. I still think, Mr Optimism, that we can finish second, by the way. I still really? think it's on the cards, yeah. I, I, re- I generally think we can do it. Um, and, I, and, I, and I personally would play the same team that started against Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, been saying it for weeks on here, I'm really sorry, but that's what I would do. And therefore, Toby, for me, don't play. Which means he's on the bench. Which means he's on the bench. Interesting. Yeah. Ian, let me bring it round to you. Ray Wilkins has described the game and, you know, Chelsea have to win it. Is the pressure going to be more on them, Jay? Uh, more on them, Ian, rather than us? Um, yeah, I think, I think that it is mm. because they need, they need to narrow the gap. Whereas, you know, as, as Lee said, you know, and as, and as the others have said, you know, nothing compares to you was number one the last time we won at Flipping Chelsea. So, <laughs> Good you know, team, Great team. But, you know, ultimately, I'm fed up with this bloody, these these long sort of hoodoos. And, and, and I must it's admit, you know, my last views. Ones, you know, isn't it? You know, we've won at yeah. Anfield, won at the Emirates, you know, won at the Etihad, yeah. won at Man United. It's one of the very last ones, won at Anfield, one of the yeah. very, very last ones, Ian, this one will be to go, won't it? Yeah, yeah but you know my views being a West London boy. This is the one <laughs> that I really do look forward to more than, than, than the other lot. I know, I know, um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping the fact that I haven't got a ticket at the minute means that, you know, I'm going to be the one that causes us to, to go there and smash them. So <laughs> let, let, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed because cause I'd love, I'd, I'd, you know, to use the old Kevin Keeganism, I'd love it if we stuffed them. <laughs> let me come round to you, Vasso, for this one. As we've said, I mean, there's been the argument out that the pressure might be on Chelsea. Vasso, as we said, you know, this is one of the last hoodoos to go. Is there any pressure on us or do you think we can go there and play with a bit of freedom and expression? Well, listen, there's, there's always pressure um, when you're playing a big team away. Uh, so I don't expect Sunday to be any different in that regard. I think clearly we have to defend well and try and control the midfield as ever. And if we do that, then we stand ourselves in good stead. Uh, the good thing this time is we only really need a draw because we um, all we've got to do is maintain that five-point gap, I think. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, draw, draw is the minimum outcome that we got to get from there. But like Ian says, um, these bloody hoodoo needs knocking, doesn't it? We've got to come back with a with a win at some point. So why not Sunday? Agree, agree. Jace, what's your thoughts going into this one? Let's get a prediction from you as well. I absolutely hate this game. I really, really <laughs> hate it. 
I, I just I've I've never been confident going to church. It's, it's, there's so many things that have happened there that just defy logic. You know, William Gallas curly one inning oh, no. from 25 yards. He could try that, James, 50 times again. It would never happen, wouldn't it? It's just no, incredible. Uh, didn't Belletti do the same again? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Belletti Gomez. smashed one in from about 35 yards. We yeah. had Gomez, Gomez stopping the ball on the line and a goal was given. Oh. We've had two nil leads that we threw away. We had a 3-1 lead in a cup under tie. Under and... Hossam Ghali. Yeah. Didn't we, didn't we hit the crossbar? Didn't Defoe hit a crossbar to put us 4-1 up or something yeah, yeah, in yeah. that game? Yeah, and, yeah it's, it's, it's a horrible game. Absolutely horrible game. Mm. They're a horrible team. It's a horrible game. And, and you know, it, as confident as I've been for most games all season, it, it is, it's a psychological hold on me that Chelsea have got. I think even me luck... Even me lucky pants have only failed once this year and that was all the way Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can't we just cancel Sunday, Jase? Yeah, man, get on Sunday, Jase. I don't know what are the things I've got to do to break it. You know, I haven't had a bath for three weeks or something in the build-up to the game or anything to try. Just that explains once, a lot. But, but it's frightening, <laughs> mate. It's, but, you know, perhaps, perhaps for the first time, Chelsea do need the result more than us. Mm. Um, yeah. I think maybe it is a good... I, I, let's just say I'm happier going there five points clear of them than them five okay. points behind them. Of course. So uh, maybe the fact that Chelsea do need the result may may play into our hands a little bit. And but William and Hazard are both playing well, and and they're the two that you've got to really look for. But it's it's, it's I don't want to I don't want to say Spurs are going to go there and win because I've just said it so many times and it's never happened. So any prediction at all, Jason? You uh, bottling out of this one? Well, I said Madrid would beat us, didn't I? Mm, you did. So I'll I'll say Chelsea will definitely beat us in the same token that I said Real Madrid will definitely beat us. Okay, I see you. And hope it. for the same outcome. Okay. Reverse psychology. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Lee. Let's bring it round to you. Let's get a prediction from you ahead of this one. Then on Sunday. Well, so far on this pod, I've, my prediction has been absolutely woeful because every time I've gone for us to like you know smash the team seventeen one or whatever. <laughs> so I, I'm going to sit on the fence a little bit here because I, I actually agree with Vass. Um, to, to be fair, I want to win, of course, but I actually don't think a draw is a bad result for us. So I'm going to go two two. Two two. I'm going to join you, Lee, in terms of the. Um, I'm going to go with draw as well. I'm going to go for one one. Ian, let's have your prediction in the hat. I'm going to do what Jason normally does. I can't possibly comment until I know what team is going to be put out. No, I'm joking, Jason. I'm joking. Um, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, let, let's, let's be positive because this bloody Udo's got to finish sooner or later. I'm going to say two-one Spurs because uh, I love it's it, it, it's it's the eight rows of bloody steward. Okay. I just want to shut. I just want to shut them up. Come on, two-one. <laughs> 2-1 two two one Spurs. Two Ian's gone for it. 2-1 Spurs. Vass, the final word is over to you tonight. You're lucky, Vass, because you're not back next week, so you won't get any grief if you get this wrong. <laughs> so you're, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to predict a win in case I jinx it. And if I predict anything else, I might not have my heart in it. A bit like uh, Jason. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to sit on the fence, fellas. I'm just going to go 1-1 one, one and one. hope for the best. Yeah. It's a mixed bag. Mixed bag. Draws in there. Ian's gone for a win. Lee, can I say it's been an absolute pleasure joining us tonight. Thank you for covering everything Spurs during this international break. We've really appreciated having you. Cheers. Thanks for having me back, lads. Don't Thank be you, silly. Anytime, anytime, Lee. I'm sure I have Lee back on before the end of the season. Ian, thanks for joining us again. Again, same as you. Sure, I have you back before the end of the season as well. 
Yeah, been been uh, most welcome, Rick. Thanks for inviting me back. Don't be silly, my pleasure. Vast pleasure as always, and I think it's also worth to say, Vast, everyone can catch your views on the Hotspur America pod as well. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Rick. And I'll tell you what, we win Sunday, nobody will be talking about season tickets or anything That's after that. That's very true. Yeah, exactly. They'll be going <laughs> out the window. Account, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And Jace, thank you as always for joining us. You're back with us, Jace, on Monday night. So let's hope we are discussing what would be a memorable win at that place, Stanford Bridge. Oh, I'll be fantastic. You know, I, I was lucky enough to be there all those years ago when when we we last won there, and I couldn't believe leaving that ground that day that we'd we, we'd still be here what twenty seven years later it's looking crazy, for one. So yeah, let's, let's hope we're celebrating Sunday night, mate. Yeah, it's got to come to an end some point, guys. Let's hope it's this weekend, guys. Enjoy the show. We'll be back Monday night, and as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.